If you have your Bibles this morning, if you would take them and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1. It is such a blessing and honor to be with you this morning, as every Sunday is, as I have looked forward to this. Today we will begin to look at the uh, virgin conception of Jesus Christ, even though we are in March and not in December. But I do think you will enjoy. As you're turning there, I want to share just something here that I found this week. And I came across an obituary this week of a man that I'd heard his name before. And I did not realize he had passed away this past September. On September 12th, um, 2021, John Shelby Spong, a priest and bishop of the Episcopal Church, passed away. And I was reading through his obituary, and, and I just consolidated a couple things. I just want to read just a couple things to you here. It says that John Shelby Spong was a deeply committed Christian. And then they went on to describe him as a cultural influencer. He was featured on TV programs such as The O'Reilly Factor. He was featured on Tonight Shows, Good Morning America, Oprah Winfrey. He was featured on uh, 60 Minutes and many, many more he authored 26 books that sold over 2 million copies and has been published in, or, and they were translated in many different languages. And not only that, John Shelby Spong has published many articles for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Times of London, and many, many more. Again, he is a deeply committed Christian and a cultural influencer, if you will. But I want to read from you, I want to read to you just a small snippet from one of his books. He says, To read the Bible literally is regarded as absurd. To call the words of the Bible the Word of God is more naive. No modern person can believe that a star can wander through the sky so slowly that wise men can keep up with it. And no modern person understanding genetics and reproduction can believe that a virgin can conceive and give birth. Nor can those who understand death, or what death does to the body, in a matter of just minutes still view the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, from the dead as a miracle. John Shelby Spong, a deeply committed, committed Christian and cultural influencer, denied the virgin birth of Christ, his resurrection, and much more. And yet, in his obituary, and by many across our country, he was a deeply committed Christian. Brothers and sisters, this raises a question that you and I must ask. Can one deny the virgin birth, or as we'll call it, it's the virgin conception of Jesus, and be considered a Christian? Can you deny what the Word says about Mary and her pregnancy and Christ coming into the world and still be considered a committed Christian? Today I want to answer that question. I want to show you exactly what the, the author of Luke says there in verse 4. I want to show you how we as Christians must believe, as Luke writes at the very beginning of this gospel, the exact truth about the things that we have been taught. In today's sermon, The Miraculous Pregnancy of the Virgin Mary, we're going to look at four uh, proofs that I think 
will showcase for us that if you want to be a deeply committed Christian, then you must accept and embrace the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. These four things are the testimony of Mary, the explanation of the angel, the doctrinal truth of salvation, and the faithful example to follow. Let's begin this morning in Luke chapter 1. And I want to begin where we just left off last week, there in verse 34. We saw last week where the angel has come and he told Mary of the Savior who was going to come into the world. And now in verse 34 we pick up with Mary's response. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Will you look this morning with me there in verse 34 as we begin to answer this question? The first thing that we see is, is that we see this morning the testimony of Mary. After Gabriel delivered this birth announcement, Mary begins with a question, if you will, of, of how. Now, as I told you a few weeks ago, that this is very much different than Zechariah, that when the angel came to him. Remember, Zechariah responded with unbelief. Mary does not respond in unbelief, but belief. You say, well, that looks kind of similar. Well, Zechariah was asking for proof. How do, you need to show me, Lord, that this is going to happen. Give me proof. What sign do you have? Mary just simply says, how does this work if I am a virgin, if I am an unmarried woman? How, what are the mechanics behind this? But within the question that Mary says here of of how can this be, I'm a virgin, we do find here a testimony of Mary concerning her own sexual purity. She is saying here in the Greek, literally, it's not just in the Greek, I'm a virgin. It means, she says, how can this be since I have not known a husband? Or seeing a husband, I do not know. And in the Greek, it is written in the strongest negative form. And so in other words, this is what Mary said. I have absolutely not known a man. I, I, I know. How can this be? I'm not married. I've not known a man, oh Lord. She's asking for understanding. But brothers and sisters, we see a testimony concerning her own personal purity. Now, remember that the judicial proceedings in the Old Testament law provided that an individual could not just be the only witness. Your, your own testimony could not just be the only thing that we receive to know if you're telling the truth. In the Old Testament, we understand that God said that one or two witnesses must come forth and also affirm your testimony. And so here we find Mary's. And we say, well, Mary, your testimony is not enough. So what other testimonies do we have to know that Mary herself is a virgin? What's interesting is, is that according to the Old Testament, that any time that this was called into question, the parents would be brought in. So we could say, well, you could probably receive the testimony of her parents that she was waiting for her marriage with Joseph to be fulfilled. 
But not only that, in Matthew chapter 1, we see also that Joseph himself would say that he has not known Mary, that he and her are not married, and so that he is not the father. But brothers and sisters, there is another testimony that I want to point out to you this morning. That in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, we see these words from the angel. The angel says to Joseph, because Joseph is about to divorce and about to break off his engagement with Mary. And so the angel comes to him in a dream and he says to Joseph, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angel says to Joseph, Joseph, he says, Mary is right. She has not known a man. We have the angel's testimony, but in fact, brothers and sisters, as we have seen and studied, that we understand that the angel is just the messenger, and he is delivering a message that comes from the very mouth, the very throne room of God. This is not just Gabriel's testimony. This is not just an angel's testimony. This is the testimony of God himself who testifies on behalf of Mary that, yes, she has absolutely, 100%, not known a man. And according to God's testimony, this is a virgin conception. And we know, according for those the men on Monday mornings that we just finished John chapter 8, that even Jesus was questioned about this. Even Jesus was questioned about his own parents and where he came from. And Jesus says, listen, he says, my testimony is true. But he says, there is another who testifies on my behalf that you must believe. There is another testimony that is greater than mine. And Christ himself points to God the Father. Brothers and sisters, this morning, you need to understand that if we are to disbelieve the virgin conception of Christ, we are disbelieving the testimony of God. This is not just the testimony of a young 14, 15, 16-year-old girl. This is the testimony of God himself, that God has testified that this, that this pregnancy is unique and supernatural all the way around. God affirms the testimony of Mary. And we must accept it as gospel true because to deny the virgin conception is to deny the teaching, the teaching and the authority of the scriptures itself. Is this not to deny our own core value here at First Baptist? That if you remember here that one of the core values, the number one core value, the very first core value that we have is that we have said that we are a people who believe and who embrace biblical faithfulness or as we call it, biblical fidelity. We don't cheat on the Word of God. We don't break covenant with the Word of God. We, we, we don't go looking for other answers and other things anywhere else outside the Word of God. It is the Word of God that we stand on. Let me read the core value to you. It says, we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God and is given to us to be our guide, our authority, and our conscience in everything. And so therefore, at First Baptist Church Jonesboro, we seek to stand, notice these two things, we seek to stand firm and faithful in all that the Bible commands us, in all that the Bible teaches us. Dear friends, I ask you this morning, are you standing firm and faithful on what the Bible teaches? Most certainly with our topic this morning of the virgin conception, absolutely that, but also even within other areas and other places within the Bible are you standing firm and are you, are you being faithful with the Scriptures? And please note that I did not say this morning that you did not investigate. 
No one would ever encourage you not to investigate, to believe this blindly. We encourage the investigation because we understand that many of men and women have investigated the Scriptures to prove them wrong, to prove them false, only to be converted and come to know Christ as Savior. And so we, we encourage you this morning to read the Bible, to investigate the Bible, to discover the teachings of, of truth found within it so that you may be faithful and stand firm. We are either people of the Word or we are not, FBC. Either our church stands on the Word of God or it does not. John Shelby Spong did not. It is the reason why that he would later go on to break other teachings of the Word, such as he was the first priest to ordain an openly uh, gay man as a priest and led the church, the first denomination, the Episcopal Church, into accepting homosexuality for their ministers and other things. He would go on to break the doctrines in many other areas, in many other places, because he was not a man who stood faithfully and firm on the Word of God. And if you see, how can you say that you believe the last miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you do not believe the first miracle of the virgin conception? Faith in the virgin conception is connected to our effort of biblical faithfulness. So hear me this morning, I would encourage you this morning that if you're one who struggles with these things, if you're one who struggles with with the Word of God, I would pray that you read the Word of God. One of the things that we do is is that we say, well, I I struggle, I don't believe, so we don't read the Word of God and we go somewhere else. You need to read the Word of God. Let it tell you what it says. Let it begin to work in your mind and in your heart. Investigate the Scriptures. We have nothing to hide. The Bible is not trying to hide anything. Go and study it. If you're one who said, I don't believe that, John, then get in the Word of God. Quit just listening to everything else and read it for yourself to find the truth and the answers. I would even say to you that you pray that you may stand faithful and firm on His teachings. Ask God to begin to reveal to you and to give you the strength, if you are a Christian this morning, that when you are confronted with hard things, things that are difficult, that He would give you the, the, the strength to be firm and faithful and i would encourage you brothers and sisters to never ever treat the word of god like a buffet that you would pick and choose some things but not those other things it is either all right or none of it is because it is all the testimony not of just men and women it is the testimony and the special revelation of god himself and to say that any part of it is wrong is to deny the testimony of God, Lord, and our King. But notice, secondly, I want you to notice the explanation of the angel. Look at verse 35. Notice the angel answered, and he said to her, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. We see now that the angel is going to kind of answer the question for her. How can this be? I'm not married. And he says, let me explain. He says that this pregnancy will be supernatural. It is not going to come through the efforts of man, through the power of man. He says the Holy Spirit will be the power source by which all of this will take place. Now, before I begin to kind of get into this, let me just say this, is that we must understand that the Holy Spirit, or this angel, is not saying to Mary that a new person is going to be created, that, 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 that this person never existed. This is Jesus Christ who is eternal, who is the Son of God, who has, who has no beginning and no end. He's always been there. He's always going to be. 
This is not the creation of a complete new person. <clears throat> we see this in John chapter 1. The only thing that is created here is the flesh. Is that Christ, who is the Son of God, is putting on this human flesh. But I would also say that nor is there some kind of sexual act that is taking place. This is not mythology. We are not Greek. This is not Zeus. There is none of that taking place here. Instead, if this is a miracle, unique and a, and a great glory. Gabriel explains that this pregnancy is going to be something very similar to something that we've seen in the Old Testament. I've never noticed this until this week, but this is rather interesting. The key to understanding the virgin conception of Christ is that word overshadow. Notice what he says. He says that the Most High will overshadow you. Now this word speaks of divine power, divine influence to create it, it speaks of covering something up. And so we see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, that the, the Spirit of God hovered over the water. So we know that the Spirit of God is not just hovering over, but He is surrounding all the creation. God is everywhere. But we also see this in Exodus chapter, thir- chapter 40, verse 34. Listen to what we see. <clears throat> Moses writes, he says, The cloud, which is the presence of God, covered the tent of meeting. And the glory of God, notice this, filled the tabernacle so in the place the the the, the tabernacle where they would worship and the holy of holies and all that the cloud would come down and it would cover the tabernacle and god would then reside within the very inner sanctum of the tabernacle this is how god dwelt amongst the people of god in the old testament he dwelt by residing within the tabernacle so just as the cloud would overshadow the tabernacle the presence and the power of God. And he would then reside in the tabernacle. Mary is going to be overshadowed by the power and presence of God. And the Son of God will then take residence within the womb of Mary. And then by the, the process of gestation and, and pregnancy, the Son of God will then place will have flesh begin to place on. He will go through the same process that you and I began as a child putting on flesh and becoming the Son of Man. And so now the Son of God who existed from the beginning takes on the flesh of the Son of Man. And now, brothers and sisters, John chapter 1 verse 14 takes an even deeper meaning, does it not? And the Word became flesh. And it dwelt among us. You know what that word is? Dwelt among us? It is the word tabernacled. The word became flesh and it tabernacled among us and we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten from the Father. Well, brothers and sisters, what we're seeing with Mary is something that took place there in the wilderness with Moses and them. And if you're sitting here thinking, I still cannot comprehend this, this is mind-blowing, that we cannot fully understand the mechanics of all of this, yes, I understand. You're not meant to understand all of it. If you were able to explain all of it, then who would be God? Not Him. There is a mystery to Him. There is an unexplainable part about Him. That's okay that you do not fully comprehend the whole thing. But you need to know that Mary did not fully comprehend the mechanics as well either. But... Mary understood the power of God. And she understood the presence of God. 
And so she knew that God could do amazing things. That God could do impossible things. And so this is why Gabriel says to her in the next few verses, he says, behold, Mary, he says, behold, even your relative Elizabeth, who is advanced in age and who is bare and who has never been able to have children, has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who is barren is now in her sixth month. And notice verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Well, brothers and sisters, maybe an even better translation, the original here, for no word from God can fail. I love this. Nothing is too impossible for God. Nothing's too difficult for God. No word from God, nothing that God says will ever fail. It will always come about. You see, Mary didn't fully understand the fundamentals of the details, but what Mary knew was God is sovereign. And what God had done in the beginning, where he overshadowed the people of God and resided with the people of God, God would do once again. But this time, God would take on flesh. She knew that he was sovereign. She knew that he could not fail. And so we see that Mary believed the explanation of the angel. Beloved, according to Gabriel's explanation, you need to know this, that the virgin conception is 100% divine act of God. It is supernatural in all of his, in all of his details, in all of his mechanics. 100% act of God, none of mankind. How can this be? I don't know a man. I'm not married. If it wasn't a virgin conception, then the child's birth would have been achieved by the efforts of man. We would have praised Joseph for bringing forth the Savior. But since there is no man involved, it is an act of pure grace. It is an act of pure love. It is an act of pure compassion, undeserving grace and compassion and love of God. It reminds us that our salvation comes not from the efforts of men. It comes not by my own works or your works. It comes not by the efforts of government or or organizations or, or religion. Our salvation, brothers and sisters, is 100%, always has been, always will be, an act of divine, supernatural power and grace of God. This is a truth that is found later in Luke. In Luke chapter 18, you'll know, you'll remember the man, the rich young ruler will come. And in that encounter that Christ will have with him, the disciples will realize that the sin of mankind is so horrible, so so despicable, so hard to overcome. They will look to Christ and they will say, who can be saved then? They'll look to Christ and they'll say, Christ... If that man cannot be saved, how can I be saved? If if, if that man who is religious and rich and is seen by all as one who has kept the law, oh, how could we ever be saved? It must be impossible for a man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It must be impossible for me to be saved. And Jesus will say to them, the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. 
Brothers and sisters, this is a doctrine that we have seen from the very beginning. It is a doctrine that we see in the virgin conception. It is a doctrine we see in our salvation. It is a doctrine that we see from beginning to end. That what is difficult and impossible for you and I to achieve, Christ achieves for us. The virgin conception is a reminder that if God can make this possible, then there is nothing in your life or in my life that is impossible for God. Maybe this morning you say, Brother Brian, I have sinned greatly against God. My past is full of sin. Presently I'm full of sin. There is no way, it is too impossible for Him to forgive me of my sins. It's too impossible for me to rise up from the consequences of my sin and and have a life of joy and have a life of peace. It's impossible for me to see any future for me where, where, where there can be salvation and redemption and reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, that which is impossible for man, that which is difficult for you, is not difficult for Christ. Maybe it is the salvation of a difficult person. Maybe it is an atheist. Maybe it is someone who doesn't believe in the virgin birth. Maybe it is someone who is rebellious. Maybe it is someone that you love dearly. Or maybe, or maybe it's a politician. Or maybe it's somebody, uh, you know, a sports player that you admire. There's somebody that we may see. You may know them personally or you may not know them. But you look out and you say, there is no way that they're ever going to come to know Christ. They're too wicked. They're too hard-hearted. I just should give up. Why even share the gospel? And the virgin birth reminds us that nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is too impossible for Him. Maybe you look at your own health and you look at your own future and Man, we're coming out of COVID, praise the Lord. But you know, we've, we've dealt with death. We've had this fear of death on our lives. And we think, man, that resurrection thing, that, how is that going to take place? There's nothing too difficult for God. Brothers and sisters, every hope that we have in this life, every hope that you and I have in this world of our reconciliation, our fa- salvation, our sanctification, that we may look at and say, there is no way that this can be achieved was all proven that it is not too hard for the one who sits on the throne. We know that our God is sovereign and that He is powerful and that He does mighty and great works. Take comfort in the promise this morning. If you are a believer this morning, the virgin birth, the virgin conception of Christ is not just a national holiday that we celebrate at the end of the year where we give presents to people. It is a promise of the greatness of the God that you serve. Take comfort in that. And be encouraged in that. And not only that, but allow this to fuel the worship of God. There is nothing too difficult. There is no word that will fail. Rejoice. Rejoice in Him, brothers and sisters. But next, notice the doctrinal truth. Again, look at verse verse 35. He says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. But notice the second part. He says, And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. We see now that there's a third doctrine here, that if we are to deny the virgin conceptions, brothers and sisters, we will deny ourselves the very salvation that Jesus Christ has brought us. 
The clear implication of this is that because this is a supernatural birth, the child will be unique. Because of God's divine influence, this child will be born, notice, holy. He will be called holy. John the Baptist was called great, but he wasn't called holy. This means that this child will be set apart from the very beginning. He will be different from all the rest. He will be like them in that he will be the Son of Man, but he's going to be different from them because he's the Son of God. He's going to be set apart. Meaning he is free from the inherited sin and guilt of our father Adam. Not only does the power of God make the Son of God the Son of Man. This power, this divine individual will be free from all sin and guilt. Once again, brothers and sisters, you and I are faced with one of the highest, most important doctrines that we, that we have as Christians. Christ, if he is to stand in your place and take your judgment, take your punishment for your sins, and then in return give you his righteousness, you need to know that he has to be able to be free from sin. He has to be. He can only pay for your sins if he himself has never sinned. If he himself is not guilty or if he himself is, is not inherently evil as the rest of us are. We see this in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he who knew no sin became sin for us that he might receive, that we might receive the righteousness of God. Notice this, through him. So I ask you, FBC, what do you believe? What do you teach? What do you preach? What do you embrace about this child? Is he holy? If he is to be holy, then we must believe, we must embrace the virgin conception because any other thing would tell us that if the power of God is not involved in this, it's just not that he didn't have a, a biological father. It's that, that the power of God is involved in this and that his very core and his very nature is that he is divine and he is God. And if we believe anything else other than this, brothers and sisters, he's nothing more than a man like you and like me who is inherently evil who is guilty of sin and does not have the power and strength to stand and hold and embrace and carry the judgment of God that is meant for you. To deny the, the virgin conception is to embrace a different gospel that we know that the Apostle Paul tells us that those who embrace that gospel, a, another gospel, they are to be accursed. And they have no eternal hope themselves and by the way to preach a gospel without the virgin conception of jesus christ provides no hope for those that you love and for the rest of the world because in denying the virgin conception we deny the sovereignty we deny the power the deity the authority of christ we strip him of, all, of everything that makes salvation possible and we embrace a gospel that places the hope of mankind, the salvation of mankind, the reconciliation with God on the backs of mere men. And I don't know about you. My back is not very strong. I can't carry that weight. I, I can't carry that kind of responsibility and I can't carry that kind of, of, of load. I cannot carry that. You place that on my back, I will crumble. 
Again, in the words of Paul Washer, it would be like you take a man who, who says that he's rather strong and you, you, you put him in, put him on, you have a dumbbells, you know, the barbells, he begins to squat and you, you put, you just begin to add the weight and he does really well. You add another 100 pounds, he may struggle a little bit, he does really well, but you add another 100 pounds and he may get one or two, but then you just continue to add the weight to the, to the, to, to the, to the barbell. Eventually the man is going to crumble under the weight of this. Brothers and sisters, to not embrace embrace the virgin conception of Christ, it strips Christ of all power and strength to carry the wrath of God that was meant for you and me. I ask you, FBC, what do you believe and what do you teach and what do you preach? If you deny the virgin conception, you preach another gospel But if you embrace, if you see this as the Word of God, as the testimony of God, and the power of God, and the doctrine of our salvation, then you are preaching the good news of salvation to all sinners. Where the hope of sinners is placed squarely on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, and not man. If so, then we believe the virgin conception is at the very center of the gospel I say to my Christian brothers and sisters this morning, rejoice in the miracle of the virgin birth because it is in worship the Lord today and have hope today. Why? Because it is, we see, the gospel. The power by which Christ steps out of heaven and comes and takes the flesh of man and dies on the old rugged cross and rises three days later that all who repent and believe in Him would be saved. But if you're an unbeliever this morning, hear me, dear friend. I know that you may think that the virgin birth is silly, and I know that you may think that these things are, these miracles and these supernatural things are silly, but hear me, there is no hope in what you think. There's no hope in these things. There's no hope of salvation, and there is no hope in this life. There's none. And so I would pray this morning that the same Spirit that overshadowed Mary, the same Spirit that brings about the virgin conception, would come and convict you of your sin this morning and draw you into salvation, draw you into relationship with Christ, call you into His presence that you may be forgiven of your sins. Come and repent this morning. Repent of your sinfulness and believe upon the Lord Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, who is one and the same. Come and know the joy of salvation that comes in Christ. And then in closing, notice the faithful example this morning. Look at verse 38. This is, this is amazing. Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord May it be done to me according to the word. And the angel departed her. Now notice he says, behold. Anytime we see those words, behold, it is a huge billboard, like a flashing billboard that is drawing your attention to what is about to follow. Mary accepts the message of Gabriel. Mary accepts the message of Gabriel with full belief and full submission, and she, she believes the virgin conception. And you may say, well, whoop-de-doo for her, how easy that must have been for her. 
Brothers and sisters, if there was ever one individual in all of the world who should have doubted and who should have said, you need to give me some time for this, you need to give me some things, it probably would have been Mary. Because Mary knew that what was about to happen to her was not about to be easy. Mary knew that this actually could probably ruin her life. She would be considered an adulteress. And according to the Old Testament law, she could be stoned to death. It is likely that she loved Joseph. And her fear that Joseph would probably divorce and break off the engagement was right because he tried to. He tried to run, so she could have lost Joseph in her mind. You could only imagine the difficulties it would have been to raise the Son of God as your own. I mean, she did lose him. You see the difficulties of this that would have placed upon her life. And yet Mary looks square at the angel and she says, Behold, I am a slave to the word of God. I am a bondservant to the Lord. Whatever his will be done with my life. I re-ask re- the question, can a person deny the virgin conception of Christ and be considered a Christian? I believe no. Because we see here in Mary a faithful example of Christianity who is a servant to the Word of God. For her to have denied For her to have said this is not going to happen would be disbelieving the testimony of God. The word of God, the power of God. It would have been a disbelief in the gospel of our salvation. Dear friends, this is how we must respond to the virgin conception. With faith and submission. Brothers, this is how we must respond to God in all of his word even the parts that we do not like with faith and submission believing a virgin birth brothers and sisters will bring about mockery on you in this world but let's be honest this world's going to mock you no matter what if you call yourself a Christian they're going to despise you they're going to laugh at you they're going to hate you But to believe, though it may bring about their mockery, it brings about the favor of God. We do not submit to the world. I don't know about you. The world doesn't tell me what I am to believe and how I am to act. We submit to Christ. And if you cannot submit to the word of God concerning Mary's testimony, the power of God to bring forth miracles, and the very doctrine of our salvation, the gospel, then how can you ever trust and submit to any parts of the word of God? This is what blows my mind with men like John Shelby Spong. To strip it of all of its glory, but yet still hold on to it on this other side. To not believe the virgin conception is an expression of, of disbelief and to not believe the virgin conception but then try to change it and twist it is an expression of great wickedness and hatred of God and his word I ask you dear brothers and sisters are you a servant 
Are you a bondservant this morning to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or do you seek to make God your servant? Do you seek to make God your servant? God, I don't believe that. I'm going to twist that to where I can accept it. God, I don't like this over here. I'm going to twist that to where I can accept it. When you do that with the Word of God and not follow the faithful example of the saints of submission and trust, brothers and sisters, you have just tried to make God your slave, your servant. And you have placed yourself in the throne of God. If this is you this morning, you need to repent. Repent. Call out to God and ask for forgiveness that you have not submitted to His Word and that you tried to bring God under your submission. But I would say to the one who does fall under submission, the one who does believe, the one who does trust, know this, that God looks down with favor upon those who are servants of His. One day you will hear those wonderful words, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's not just that you do what the Bible says, it's you also believe what the Bible says. And so I would call upon you this morning, embrace the virgin conception with biblical fidelity. Stand firmly on it. Trust the word of God this morning. And if you struggle with that, pray and call out to him for help. And trust that no word of God will fail. Nothing is too difficult for our God. Then, now, or forever. And know the power of the gospel this morning to save sinners. The Son of God who was holy, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and he rose from the grave, bringing victory and salvation to all who would repent and believe in him. Know the power of the gospel today. Come and be saved. Let's pray.